Inside Sources. Inside Sources. America's voice of reason. Boyd Matheson on Utah's home for elevated conversation. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. We're going to dig into something that uh, has always been troublesome to me, and it uh, is becoming a bigger trouble, I think, as the years go on, as we look more and more to government to drive business, to pick winners and losers, uh, all the lobbying that goes on. And so there's this very interesting trend uh, that I think we have to take a good look at, and we're going to do that uh, for the next two segments of the show. And we're going to start by looking at some of the political efforts that we see, and some of them are are well-named and some of them even well-intentioned, whether it's restoring American industrialization, whether it's trying to get jobs back on U.S. shores, whether it's trying to uh, boost the industrial base, the manufacturing base. uh, The trend is what's worrisome, and that is the overpromise and either under-delivery or non-delivery on the promise, uh, often leaving states and cities uh, and even businesses holding the bag. Uh, politicians uh, really love to make a great announcement about a new manufacturing plant in the local area or that some big business is going to come to town and bring all kinds of jobs and be a great boon to the economy. The interesting thing, though, uh, is that in many cases, those end up coming up empty. So sometimes to attract uh, investment, new facilities, it uh, seems that uh, no tax break is too big or no promise is too grand for our government officials to make the deal happen. And there's all kind of fanfare. There's big media headlines or promises of thousands of jobs and great impact. Uh, but often uh, once the talking and the shouting has ended, uh, everything ends and the delivery of the deals falls apart way before any positive results are realized. So I want to go back and we're going to look at a couple of these, uh, both historically and some that are happening right now. Uh, in fact, uh, coming up at 1.50, uh, Christine Mui is going to join us from Politico about an interesting thing going on in Michigan right now related to the Chips and Science Act. Uh, but I want to go back a little bit first. Uh, let's go back to the uh, Trump administration. Uh, back in 2018, then President Trump broke ground for what was touted as a historic facility in Wisconsin. Uh, The company was Foxcom, and uh, he deemed that the unbuilt facility was going to be the eighth wonder of the world. Take a listen. To Foxconn and to all of the amazing Wisconsin workers with us today and all over the state, I want to wish you good luck and congratulations on truly one of the Eighth wonder. I, I think we can say this is, we can say, the eighth wonder of the world. This is the eighth wonder of the world. But this is something so special. So I want to just congratulate you all. Thank you very much. Thank you to Scott Walker. Thank you, everybody. Great honor to be with you. Good luck. Enjoy this great facility. Thank you. So that was then, and then nothing happened. Uh, amazingly, this uh, 100-foot-tall sphere is just one of buildings in this big, massive space that was going to be, according to then-President Trump, the eighth wonder of the world. And it is now a 100-foot-tall sphere in an empty lot. That's it. The end. <laughs> so uh, the owner, a Taiwanese manufacturer, Foxconn, uh, calls it a high-performance uh, computing data center, Uh, but nothing's happened. 
nothing went through. It all kind of fell apart. Uh, one person called it uh, kind of a low-rent Epcot Center-looking space with just a lot of concrete, uh, a big parking lot with nothing there. Uh, and this is often the case. Uh, she, some of the reporting on this was really interesting, and that is that the state government spent about $500 million to buy the land, bulldoze the houses that were there, uh, clear space for this uh, infrastructure that needed to be put in place. And then, and then it didn't happen. And this happens over and over and over again. And it happens not only from the federal level, it happens at the state level as well. In fact, let's go to 2019. Uh, and now we'll uh, leave Wisconsin and we'll go to New Jersey. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy announced, amazingly, historic investment in an offshore wind farm through the company Orsted that was going to change the energy landscape of the East Coast forever. Hey everybody, Governor Phil Murphy here. New Jersey just took a historic step of its first award to develop 1,100 megawatts of offshore wind energy. This will revolutionize the offshore industry here in New Jersey and along the entire East Coast. It will start us on the road to creating good union jobs and inviting new investment in our state. This is a truly historic step to making New Jersey a global leader in offshore wind development and deployment. Changing the landscape and the energy of the East Coast forever until it didn't. Didn't happen. So two big wind farms off the coast of New Jersey scrapped. The company behind it all uh, ended up having to take a write-off, probably $5.6 billion or more, and suddenly it's gone. And so it's so easy for elected officials and politicians to come in with the big claims, whether it was the Democratic governor of New Jersey or former President Donald Trump saying this is going to be the eighth wonder of the world. This is going to change the landscape, create jobs, on and on and on and on, when it's the federal government that's driving and picking the winners and losers and tilting the marketplace it rarely ends well. And I'm not saying there's not a role for government to play in some of these things. I, I think there is a, a place. But what we have to be careful of is that when we make it the place, uh, you can think of Solyndra, uh, going back to the Obama administration, was going to change everything around uh, having uh, solar panels forever. And it didn't happen. And why didn't it happen? Because they got a whole lot of money and cash flow covers a multitude of problems in an organization and Solyndra didn't cut it. But they were picked as the winner. And I actually think it put the the solar panel industry and our innovation way behind schedule because it drove out a lot of those small startup companies that were really looking for that cutting edge advantage. Instead, government picks the winners and everybody gets real comfortable real fast because they've got cash. Uh, and then the real results don't materialize. Now, President Biden made some historic promises. It's amazing how they all start with uh, historic. This will be the eighth wonder of the world, historic investment. Uh, here's President Biden as he signed the Chips and Science Act. Today I'm signing the law of the Chips and Science Act, a once-in-a-generation investment in America itself. A law that the American people can be proud of. These companies see what I see. 
that the future of the chip industry is going to be made in America. Now, during his speech, the president named specific companies who have promised investment in America's semiconductor manufacturing. One of those companies is Hemlock Semiconductors, located in Michigan. Nearly one-third of all the chips in the world use polysilicon made in Hemlock. Imagine if we had more of these kinds of factories across the country. This law will make that a reality. All right, we're going to stay with the conversation and find out what happened in Michigan, what didn't happen in Michigan, and why it all matters. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason on Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today, as always. If you're just joining us, we've been uh, spending the last half hour talking about some of the areas where things go wrong. Sometimes big political promises or big elected officials' uh, engagement doesn't always turn into real results when it comes to what we're looking for in the end. Uh, so in the last segment, we went all the way back to uh, the time when uh, uh, President Trump was in the White House, made a big promise about uh, some things happening in Wisconsin. He actually declared them to be the eighth wonder of the world. And now it's just a big globe uh, with an empty parking lot. Nothing happened. We talked about the state level. This happens all the times with tax breaks and incentives and so on. Uh, we talked about the New Jersey governor saying that the, the wind farms, the two wind farms they were proposing would change energy on the East Coast forever. Uh, nothing happened. In fact, the uh, company involved uh, had to take a $5.6 billion loss on their books uh, because it just didn't materialize. Uh, and then just before we went to the break, of course, uh, President Biden has made some big promises with the Chips and Science Act. And now they're sort of turning into some problems for the president. And uh, someone who wrote extensively about that today in Politico, Christine Mui, uh, is a reporting fellow at Politico, talked about uh, the president's high tech problem in Michigan. And Christine, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, as part of our uh, equal opportunity offenders, it's now uh, President Biden's turn <laughs> under the microscope in terms of some of these things that uh, states in particular look at and say, oh, this will be so great. It'll create jobs and it'll be great for the economy and it'll change the dynamic in the state. And, and it doesn't always turn out that way. So help us understand uh, what happened with the Chips and Science Act, particularly with Hemlock Semiconductor in the state of Michigan. Right. So as I wrote today, you know, the day that Biden signed the CHIPS Act back in 2002, he was on the White House South Lawn and he had named or gave a shout out to Hemlock Semiconductor. So they're based in Michigan. They've been making polysilicon, which is, you know, the material that you need for all microchips or most microchips. Um, and, you know, the problem that's arise is that there's this tax credit in the CHIPS and Science Act. Uh, it's significant. It's estimated to be worth $24 billion over a decade. And Hemlock and other suppliers are saying that they've been cut out of this tax credit. Now, that's not set in stone yet. The Treasury Department still needs to finalize those rules. But that's basically the concern that they're raising here. Yeah. And so the, and that is often the case where you get kind of the ribbon cutting or the the big announcement moment. Uh, and then all the details get going. And this is one of those where, as you said, it's not set in stone yet. So there's still a chance uh, to do this. But I know that the, the White House has been hearing pretty loudly uh, from Hemlock and others who are saying, hey, wait a minute, uh, you're, you're cutting us out of this. Kind of describe how those conversations are going. What are they what's the message they're sending to the president and to the White House? Yeah, so I've been talking, you know, to 
a lot of lawmakers and politicians that have been advocating on hemlock in the polysilicon industry's behalf. So the governor of Michigan, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, sent a letter to Biden um, reminding him of that moment in his CHIPS Act speech and basically saying this is you know, a critical mo- moment for us if we want to win out over China um, in this space. I talked to the congressional delegation. The Democrats uh, in that delegation have also uh, sent letters to Treasury officials, and they've also had conversations with administration officials. Hemlock itself has sent comments to the IRS, and they've gotten the support of trade groups in the semiconductor industry. And just this morning, CNBC had Lael Brainerd on, who's the director of the National Economic Council. And, you know, she didn't really have a clear answer for if this is going to make its way into the guidance. Uh, and, as, you know, as you can see from my story, the when I reached out to the White House, um, and the Trumpers and Treasury Departments for comment, they also didn't comment on if this will make its way into the guidance once those rules are finalized. Yeah. What are the other things you pointed out in your piece that I thought was so important? Uh, you talked about kind of the lobbying efforts that uh, <laughs> that begin the moment an announcement, you know, like the Chips and Science Act uh, is is made public. You get all of these uh, lobbyists out there trying to angle for a carve out, a payout or, or whatever it may be. Kind of describe that for our listeners in terms of how it's played out in this particular case. Yeah. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, in the CHIPS Act's early days, so this is when, you know, it was first signed. I think there was still some, there were companies, right, that even before that were trying to make their way into the law and the support that it would give. But there are also these companies that, you know, Politico has reported on that had this not so clear connection to microchips. So you had FedEx, for example, um, because there's part of the law that supports uh, this concept called advanced packaging, which is basically how you're putting the chips together to maximize computing power. I guess FedEx thought there that that had some connection to the packaging that they do. um, But those are two very different concepts. And so, you know, in regards to this tax credit and for chipsack implementation in general, there's this bigger question for each of these incentives, which is basically how far do you go? Um, You know, even just looking at the semiconductor supply chain, it's massive. Um, I wrote in my article that at some point, more than half of the elements on the periodic table have been used in semiconductor manufacturing. And so, you know, Hemlock's case here is that they are the base material for chips and polysilicon, which is is the material that gives, you know, these chips their semiconductive properties, basically. So they're arguing that they have a unique case over these other suppliers. Um, But, you know, there are also industrial gas and chemical makers who have been lobbying for this. And they were at, you know, the same IRS hearing that Hemlock was at. That's so fascinating, and it's so interesting to see how this plays out. And one other thing that you you noted in your piece that kind of caught my attention was when you look at these kinds of incentives, uh, again, they always sound good on the front end, and then sometimes when they get turned over to the agency or to the IRS, uh, then all these little technicalities or these uh, processes get put in place, and suddenly these big incentives are sort of gone. And and then – the likelihood that we'll see bigger investment as opposed to incremental investment, uh, the game really changes. Right. And that's exactly what Hemlock has sort of argued uh, on behalf of their case is that the cost of, you know, these types of investments are huge. So they're saying it'll take billions, you know, for us to build uh, plants like this. And, you know, while that there is another part of the CHIPS Act, the grants, um, which have kind of been, 
headlines, making the headlines for the you know most beneficial incentive from it. Um, there was just the Global Foundries announcement yesterday. But, you know, there's this whole other part, you know, that industries are basically arguing we need both. We need as much help as we can get um, to make it worth it for us to invest, you know, these billions of dollars that we need to expand. And so Hemlock, you know, told the IRS basically without federal support, we can't do this. Um, they've made other investments in like local infrastructure upgrades, but that's kind of a stepping stone to actually expanding their ability to make more polysilicon. Yeah, it's such a, an important part of that conversation. Just in our last minute here, uh, give us some of the political implications for the Biden administration and for the Biden campaign. Uh, obviously, you've got a lot of big name Democrats like Governor Whitmer and others uh, weighing in. Uh, is that impacting anything in terms of a real crucial presidential state uh, in a crucial presidential year? Uh, so I think at large, right, uh, there's this that's a big question still, is how exactly will these chip investments in different states, not just Michigan, but also states that are seeing heavy investment like Arizona and aren't being you know, held up, how will those play into you know, Biden's messaging ahead of the election? You know, he has this broader kind of manufacturing uh, messaging and also, of course, you know, it ties into his economic messaging. And so you know, it's not clear yet if this is a, you know, a huge issue for the Democrats that you mentioned, but it is notable that, yes, these are, you know, his allies in a swing state. Yeah, and that's such a, an important part of that whole conversation. Uh, great piece in Politico, politico.com. Check that out today. President Biden has a high-tech problem in Michigan. Uh, great analysis, great reporting. Christine Mui a reporting fellow at Politico. Uh, Christine, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Again, that's Christine Mui from Politico, and it's a great piece. And to me, it just comes full circle in our conversation as it's very easy on the front end uh, to tout these things. Again, President Biden touted this uh, particular company, Hemlock, uh, in the state of Michigan, uh, dealing with silicone and semiconductors. This was going to be such an important boon. It's going to bring manufacturing and all of those things. And then sometimes when it gets turned over to the agency or to the IRS and the rules start being written, Things change, and it's why we have to always be a little cautious uh, and lean in and listen hard when it comes to a lot of these big promises, when it comes to government bringing in jobs, changing the economy, uh, make a difference. And again, we've uh, equal opportunity offended them all, from former President Trump to the New Jersey governor, state of Michigan. Uh, We all have to be very careful uh, when it comes to big promises from big government to change big business. It doesn't always deliver the result that we think we're going to get. All right, that wraps up our number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for some top of the hour news, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to take a deep dive look inside of Russia and what comes next for Vladimir Putin's regime and what comes next for the cause of freedom. Stick around. We'll do that in hour number two of Inside Sources coming up next. KSL FM Midvale. KSL Salt Lake City. From the KSL Common Spirit Health Studios. This is KSL News Radio. Utah's news, traffic, and weather station.